My name is Andrew Tate, and this is Season 1, Episode 10 of Let's Not Meet, a True Horror Podcast. My guests this week are Katie and Kenny of the Haunted Heart Podcast. They'll be taking turns telling stories with me this week that are true and terrifying. Enjoy. So I was about nine or ten when I was playing at my friend's house. Our moms were pretty good friends, so my mom trusted her. At one point, a family friend of theirs shows up and strikes a conversation with my mom. He asked me and my friend, Jenna, if we wanted to go back to his house to see his rabbits. My mom, being super overprotective, was unsure, but my friend's mom assured her that it was fine. I was absolutely pumped to see these rabbits. So we're walking to his house, which is about four streets away. But this walk felt like forever. I had no concept of time. It just, it felt different. It was fairly early, but it was still dark out. He also insisted on walking on the roads instead of pavements. This made me feel uncomfortable, and I, but I didn't say much because I was painfully shy. We kept walking, and my friend was talking to him, and he seemed very disengaged as he was pretty far in front of us, only occasionally looking back with his creepy, smug smirk. We get into his garden, and I see the rabbit hutch. Now, this hutch was weird. Usually, it's a wooden frame, but there's lots of mesh so that you can see the rabbits. It was dark out, but I I couldn't see any mesh on this hutch. It just looked like a wooden box. I didn't really think much about it, but it definitely felt weird. He stares at us in the eyes while lifting up the lid, very slowly. You know how the whole reason he invited us over was to see these rabbits? Well, the lid was opened for about ten seconds before he promptly slammed it closed, and although I did see two very cute rabbits... In that time, it wasn't really worth the trek over here. He says that we need to go upstairs to get carrots. So we go upstairs. He basically forces us to play in his kids' room, something I felt very weird about because he had ten kids and no one was home at all. At this point, I'm talking to my friend and having a full-blown panic attack. She's trying to calm me down because... He would never hurt us, but it wasn't working. What my friend hadn't seen through the crack in the door was him standing in his room, naked. I couldn't see him, but I could see his reflection in the mirror. He winked at me. He notices my full-blown panic and takes us home. Two years later, he went to jail and none of my family would tell me why. I found out five years after this happened, he went to jail for messing with my friend and her little sister. 
I so deeply hope I don't meet Angus again because he is the creepiest thing I've ever met. So I'm at the club with my then best friend. Near the end of the night, we were approached by a random guy who was alone. He has a heavy accent and tells us that he just moved here from Russia. He tells us his name is Jesse. Doesn't sound like a very Russian name, and I'm immediately on guard. This friend of mine has a tendency to pick the worst guys. And what I mean is, in a room full of people, she will somehow manage to pick the single craziest guy in there and start dating him. And being as close as we were, I always managed to get sucked into it. This night was no exception. I pull her away from Jesse, but not before he manages to get my friend's phone number. Later, as we are in her car ready to drive home, she gets a call from Jesse. She answers, and his voice rings out on her car speaker. Can you give me a ride home? No. I immediately mouth from the passenger side, still silent. I just live around the corner from the club, he persuades. She reluctantly agrees and hangs up. I ask her why he can't take an Uber or walk if it's that close. But it's my friend's car and she wants to be nice and give him a ride. So we pull back in front of the club and he hops in. During this short car ride, he manages to get out a sob story about how he moved here to start over with his one-year-old son. His wife back in Russia died in childbirth. My friend is eating it up. I hate him almost immediately. The next day, he's texting and calling my friend, asking her out. She at least has the same sense not to want to go out with him alone, asking me if I'll come along with the guy I was dating at the time. So we get to the beach and we drink a few beers. Jesse takes his and wanders off alone. My guy joins him, and I see them chatting for a while. I distinctly remember him describing Jesse later that night. I like the guy. He just seems a little lonely. I'm wondering why no one can see all of the red flags but me. Then again, I always did have a sense for these types of things. That night goes relatively smooth. As the weeks go by, the four of us hang out a couple more times. Jesse tries to invite himself over to my friend's place. I beg my friend to, if nothing else, keep her address private. Do not let him know where you live. Thankfully, she thinks this is a smart policy. He seemed oddly fixated on going specifically to her home. As the weeks go by, he shows us pictures of his son and even shows a picture of his son's birth certificate, which seems a bit like he's overcompensating. But I never meet this supposed son, and I have no idea where he is during all of these outings Jesse was going to be on with us. I asked him plenty of personal questions, trying to figure him out, and I think he knows I'm on to him. But soon enough, my friend starts dating someone else, and Jesse wants to be the only guy in her life. He becomes possessive, and makes her choose him or the other guy. 
Unfortunately for Jesse, she chooses the other guy. He's furious. The next day, Jesse is blowing her phone up. Texts, calls, voicemails. And when we finally listen to them, they're increasingly violent, full of cursing. The last voicemail reveals everything. It was all a lie. There was no son, no wife. He calls us idiots. The last words he speak say that she'd regret it and that he will, quote, make her explode. I shudder to think of that now. She blocks him and life goes on. But due to the next boyfriend being even crazier than this one, I eventually need to take a break from this girl. We go our separate ways. And yet, the nagging feeling about Jesse never goes away. Jesse often pops into my head and I get the worst eerie feeling. A while down the road, I end up catching up with her over text. Even after our falling out, she can hardly wait a few texts into reconnecting to ask if I remember Jesse. My blood instantly turns cold. I say yes. She sends me the link to the news article. It's about a Russian man arrested for a crime while trying to flee the country. He has a very Russian name I've never heard before. As I read the details of the crime, I'm horrified. Turns out, he murdered his ex-girlfriend by shooting her five times. I also took a photo of the suspect. It's Jesse. He got life in prison after making a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. His real name was Igor. He was 27. He requested a plea deal in 2016 after prosecutors indicated that they would pursue the death penalty in the 2015 killing. Police allege that he used a key that he never returned to break into the 22-year-old Shaley Estes home near 16th Street in Phoenix. Igor brought with him a handgun purchased earlier that day through a private internet cell, according to the police. After an argument between Igor and Shaley, when she returned home, neighbors heard a gunshot and found her body in the home. Igor's relationship with Shaley ended in 2015, according to her roommate's statement to the police. An order of protection was obtained by Igor shortly after. Court records said that Igor sent Shaley's roommate a threatening text after an order of protection was served. It said, She will be brutally murdered from Russia with love. Igor was apprehended at the Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport on July 24, 2015, according to authorities. He had purchased a one-way ticket from San Francisco. Court records said that he told the police the shooting was an accident. This happened some hours ago. To give you a bit of context, I'm a male in my early 20s, and I live in an apartment on the second floor. I come back home from a New Year's Eve party around 6 a.m. I undress myself, text a couple of people, and then go to bed. All of this in a span of 10-15 minutes. Then basically, as soon as I get into the bed, 
I hear my doorbell ring. Not my actual door, but the gate to the apartment complex. Initially, I say, fuck it. It must be a drunk person, or someone pulling a prank, or being an asshole. But then the motherfucker keeps ringing very insistently. So, I go in my boxers to answer the phone that is wired to the gate. I don't know if that makes sense. I answer the phone, and I hear a foreign-sounding guy that is trying to tell me something about a friend and keys and to let him in the complex. I think about it for a second, and then tell him, I don't know you. I'm not going to open the gate. I hang up and go to bed again. They keep ringing very insistently. So I get up again and go answer the phone, this time a bit angry. And I am greeted by a girl speaking perfect English. I live in Italy. And telling me in a very clear way that she is staying on the fifth floor and her friend has the keys, that she is a woman alone in the street, and to come check it at the door if I don't believe her. She sounded very convincing, to be honest. Mind you, in this moment, I'm drunk, high, and very tired, trying to weigh my options. What if she really is a girl alone in the street at 6 a.m., in the cold and with all the drunk people going around? What if she isn't, though? Fortunately, even in my intoxicated state, I have the idea to go out on the balcony over the gate and check out who is in the street. I throw on my parka because it's pretty cold, and in my boxers I go out on the balcony to have an absolutely fuck you moment. There were four seedy-looking people, two males, two females if I saw correctly, right in front of the gate talking quietly between themselves, and I yell at them. I shouldn't have done it. Oi, you wanted to come in? And I immediately go inside to call the police and grab a knife. Yeah. The real scary thing is that my gate is not see-through. So if I went down, I wouldn't have seen outside. And as soon as I opened the door, I would have been overpowered by them and probably forced to let them in my apartment. The story pretty much ends here. The fuckers kept ringing the bell aggressively for another 15 minutes while I took off the lights and went through my house like a drunken Rambo, with a knife in my hand, checking periodically all the windows. I have windows on the internal courtyard and windows on the street, which they easily could have climbed. Or so I thought. And then it all ended. I don't even know if the police saw anyone or came at all because I never heard from them. And I just went to bed after a solid hour of this. Still... Burglars that tried to take advantage of my good faith to lure me into a trap? Let's not ever meet again. Before I got into my current line of work, I was an adult social worker. The stories that I have, well, this is one of them that led to me quitting. My job was to work with drug-addicted and mentally ill adults. We would get them services, housing, etc. I had a pretty busy workload at the time when my boss called me into her office. 
She explained that Missy, one of the senior social workers, wanted to trade clients. Now, Missy was a tough-as-nails, no-nonsense lady. She had been a social worker for 20 years, and for her to want to trade me clients either meant A, the client had made a sexual advance, or B, gotten verbally or physically abusive with her. Turns out the guy had acted threatening towards her. But not only that, she said he just scared her. Coming from her, that was enough to make me nervous. And I'm a six foot four tattooed guy. So I go to meet this gentleman who is named Dwayne. He's homeless, but he spends his days at a local Starbucks. And according to Missy, he suffers from auditory and visual delusions. I catch him sitting outside in the sunshine. The guy's dirty, long, matted hair and greasy beard and, and the smell emanating from him made my eyes water. I introduce myself and he blinks at me. I ask him if he'd like some bus vouchers or for me to find him a shelter for the night or perhaps just a drink of water as it was a hot day. Suddenly he looked at me with such malice and hate. My heart sped up and I will not lie. I was scared. Fucking CIA spooks, he says to me, exposing his rotten teeth. After a diatribe that consisted of him telling me I wanted to drill holes in his brain, I decided I was getting nowhere and left him a water in my card. Huge mistake. I suddenly started getting calls from an unknown number, all hang-ups. After the fifth call, I dialed the number. It was the Starbucks. I had found Dwayne at. Thinking maybe he needed to get a hold of me, I drove to the Starbucks after work. It was raining, and Dwayne was nowhere to be found. I left and went straight home. I got another few calls from him that night. He evolved from his quick hang-ups to heavy breathing. Over the next few weeks, any effort from me to find him a lead was unsuccessful. However, the calls ramped up. I had a work phone and a home phone. The work phone was shut off at night. I woke up one morning to a hundred missed calls, all in a four-hour window. Now he was ranting, ranging from him accusing me of implanting him with tracking devices to him saying that he would find and gut me. I let my boss know I was taken off the case and the numbers he called from were blocked. One afternoon, my grandmother called me one day, scared out of her wits. My grandmother raised me. I have her last name. She's my maternal grandmother. And I pay for her phone bill, so her address is in my name in the phone book. She had come home from the doctor's appointment to a destroyed apartment. Furniture smashed, couch torn to shreds, and the most disturbing, her parakeets were both decapitated. I turned over everything I could to the cops. His name, where he hung out, all of it, but... They didn't think that it was him and blamed it on tweakers. I slept on my grandmother's couch for months. Three months later, I quit my job and went into a totally unrelated field. I never saw nor heard from Dwayne again. So let's not meet. So I'm still sitting at the beach with my daughter. This just happened about 20 minutes ago. 
We live in Hawaii and our apartment is next to the beach. So we try to come as often as we can. School is out today. She goes back tomorrow. And it's the perfect day to get away from the new kitten and the switch. First of all, I'm really socially awkward. Especially when I'm planning on just sitting on the beach watching my daughter play in the water. She's nine, but has the body of a 12 to 13 year old. So I'm really cautious in our surroundings. I'm just one of those moms in general. Thank you, anxiety. So we're sitting in the sand, making a sand snowman, and a dog comes running up with a stick and drops it in front of her, and so she was throwing the stick with the dog, and I was looking around for his owner, and some old white dude walks up and goes, Looks like my old Sammy boy likes your little girl. First red flag. I just kind of awkwardly chuckled and was like, Yeah. So I continued to do what I was doing and got up to get my coffee and he kept standing directly in front of my bag and towel. So I just had to go around him. He was making small talk and asked where we lived, which is literally next door. So I just said that we lived in town. And then he started going on about how his wife left him and left his dog. And kept talking about how his dog loves kids and then starts talking about kids' movies. I call my daughter Bug, short for Lilybug. So then he asked what her name is and what school she goes to. We are at, like, at least three red flags here. And I was just like, she's homeschooled. And then went into the water with her for a minute, came back out to get some water, and he was still by my bag... And he started talking about how the only way to tell who loves you more, your wife or your dog, put one in the trunk and see who's happy to see you. Dude, I'm not a prude by any means. I love true crime and have an open sense of humor. But single white dude with your dog who approached a female and her daughter talking about your divorce and how you love coming to the beach to watch your dog play with children... I sincerely hope you're not as much of a creep as this experience made you out to be. But please, let's not meet again. I have lots of creepy encounters during my travels, but I'll start with the most recent one. This is fairly long, as I had two creepy encounters, one after the other. For clarification, I'm Asian with distinct Asian features, five foot one, small, and in my 20s. Last year, I went to Egypt with a big group of 40 people. For one night, we stayed at this beautiful villa-style hotel on top of the mountains. The layout for this particular hotel is there is a very long pole in the middle surrounded by small villas with about 20 rooms per villa. Our group got assigned to the furthest villa from the lobby. It was around 10 p.m. when I decided to go out for a walk and watch the stars. My grandma, who I was sharing the room with, was tired and went to sleep early, so I went out by myself. I walked around the pool enjoyed the weather and the stars. I sat on one of the benches by the poolside. 
It was then that I noticed one of the hotel staff, a bag porter who helped me with our luggages when we checked in. They were approaching me. I thought nothing of it, but he came by and made small conversation. I brushed it off as him trying to be friendly and courteous to guests. He asked where we came from, and I answered politely. What he said next gave me the creeps. He said his friend was actually looking for a wife from my country. Okay, all right, dude. I laughed it off and lied that I'm married. He asked where my husband is. I kind of panicked and told him my non-existent husband got left behind because he had work. He took out his phone and called someone, but I guess the person he was calling wasn't picking up. He told me to wait, but my spidey senses were tingling in overdrive. I had two options. I could walk back to the villa as quickly as possible, but risk letting this man know the room that I'm staying at with my grandma, or... I could walk towards the well-lit lobby, hoping that there are people from my group still there. I stood up and started to walk fast towards the lobby. The man was still trying to call someone on his phone and tried to call after me, but I waved goodbye hurriedly. When I got to the lobby, I was relieved to see that our tour leader, our Egyptian tour guide, and probably three ladies from our group were still there. No more creepy hotel staff. Or so I thought. In the hotel lobby, they have a bunch of souvenir shops set up. One of the ladies that I was close with, B, was browsing inside a souvenir shop. Our guide warned us beforehand that the paintings that they sell at this hotel are fake or just generally low-quality tourist trap souvenirs. So I went inside the shop to tell B about that, in case she forgot. Inside the shop was B, me, and two salesmen. One of them was standing near the door and blocking the only means of exit. B asked for my opinion between two paintings, and this salesman standing out front told us that these paintings have a different pattern show up that glows in the dark and asked us if we wanted to see it. I firmly said no before B could answer. I had enough for the day, and I just wanted to go back to our room. However, this persistent salesman said something to this other man standing behind us, who then proceeded to close the door and turn the light off. Maybe I'm just paranoid, but I do not like the idea of being in a pitch-dark room with two men I don't know. I could also sense that B was panicking, and she held onto my wrist. Like an angel in disguise, the door suddenly opened from outside, and it was B's aunt, who was also in the lobby with our tour guide. They shouted at us and asked what we were doing. She motioned for us to come out quickly. I swear I do not know what would have happened if B's aunt didn't open that door at that time. She made a fuss over it, and the rest of the group walked back to the villa together with our tour leader. On the way to the villa... B's aunt asked us if anything happened, if our phones and wallets were still with us and all. We checked our belongings, and everything was fine. No one followed us back to the villa, and I was happy that we were also checking out the next morning. So creepy porter and salesman at this hotel, if I ever find myself back, let's not meet.
I'm a 21-year-old male and I recently moved into a new house. The other night around 2.30 a.m., I was at my house alone when I decided to take a break from playing guitar and have a smoke before bed. So I grabbed a smoke and started out my front door. About three minutes or so into my cigarette, I noticed this faint noise of what sounds like an old creaky metal object that needs to get oiled. But the sound has a cadence, which makes it repeat every two to three seconds. After this happens for about 10 seconds, I notice that I can hear tires gripping the road as well. Then, out of nowhere, I see a man, who looks to be in his mid-40s, riding this horribly beaten-down bike that emitted a very intense, ear-piercing, high-pitched squeak every time he pedaled. As I stood in my driveway and he passed me, he kept moving forward, but his head slowly rotated left, and he locked eyes with me. I'm not kidding when I say that this guy looked identical to Hannibal Lecter from the movies, but that's not what made my heart drop. As I'm locking eyes with him and he's moving past my driveway, he suddenly gives me the scariest, wildest, jagged tooth smile that I've ever seen in my life. He continues to lock eyes with me. And this wasn't an ordinary smile. I'm talking when the Grinch stole Christmas, ear-to-ear smile. Within 15 seconds, he continues pedaling and is out of sight. I can just faintly hear the bicycle gears squeaking. At this point, I'm wondering whether or not he is going around my rectangular block of the neighborhood and whether or not I can chief this cigarette fast enough and get inside before he comes around again. As I'm doing this, I begin to hear the metal creaking noise, but I also hear something different. I hear the man laughing like a fucking maniac. As I'm stumbling from my door because of the adrenaline rush, he, he begins around the turn where my door is almost in view. At the exact moment where I would have become visible, I got my door opened, ran in, and slammed it shut and locked it. No sooner does my door close do I hear the man from outside say loudly, Where'd you go? and began laughing. At this point, I went into full battle mode, ran around my house and turned all of the lights off, battle crawled into my bedroom and waited. As I lay in my bed for the next 30 minutes, I would hear the squeaking of the bike for about 30 seconds every 3 to 4 minutes. About 30 to 45 minutes later, it finally stopped and the man was gone. I've actually quit smoking since then and haven't been outside that late. But every now and then, around 2.30 a.m., I can still hear the squeaking of the bicycle from outside of my room window. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. Today you have heard He Ruined Rabbits for Me by Just Sasson, Russian Regret by Adventurous Ash, New Year's Eve Burglars That Tried to Lure Me Out My Door, Fuck You by The Italiano, Dwayne by Buggy Baby Bumper Boats, The Older Dude at the Beach with Your Dog, I Could Have Gone Without Your Divorcee Jokes by Christiana415, Creepy hotel staff in Egypt looking for a wife and locked us in a room by Rizzy Bit. 
And finally, a retelling of The Laughing Bicyclist by Reddit user Color Revolt. Thanks to Katie and Kenny from the Haunted Heart Podcast for appearing this week and telling a couple of stories. It's a DC-based podcast on all things witchy, horror, true crime, and macabre. Check it out at thehauntedheart.com. I'll see you guys next week for a brand new episode of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.